So let's stand for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 28. I will be reading verses 23 and 24 and then 30 and 31. This is about the life of Paul as he has made it to Rome after the shipwreck. And this is what he's doing. When they had appointed a day for him, that's Paul, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, would you cause our eyes to see and our ears to hear? Holy Spirit, would you illuminate the truth about the kingdom of Jesus? Would you cause us to fall in love again with the work that you've called us to? Namely, would you fall, cause us to fall in love with our Savior? Lord, keep us from being distracted. Indeed, let us even now drop our weapons and be still and know that you are God and receive what it is you have for us in this moment, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So Paul has experienced the shipwreck. He has seen the faithfulness of God and calling him to himself and then to the mission. Paul has a vision, and the vision is for the kingdom of God. That's why twice in this last section of the book of Acts, Luke tells us what he's doing. And what does it say? Look at verse 23. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God. And then in verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Paul knew what the Lord's mission was. He knew it internally as the Lord called him to himself and then to this particular place and people. And he knew it externally as others affirmed that call. That's what happens in gospel ministry. Graham, his life has been affirmed in the calling to gospel ministry to be ordained. He felt that calling inside his heart that was tested by an external call and it was affirmed. He was ordained in the last hour as a witness to that. His bride, Sarah, the same, not to ordination, but to the gospel service, to the gospel mission. And in obedience, they are responding to that internal call and external. God's call, his mission, his purpose is not hard to see. We know that he has called all believers to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Lord has called us to that. There's no question all of us, whatever places of work he has put you in, places of recreation, places where you might travel this summer, restaurants you eat in, the, the man or woman who cuts your hair, God has put you in places where you have the opportunity to extend his kingdom, to make known the reign of Jesus Christ. And that's what his kingdom means. His kingdom means that he is reigning over everything. He is one day going to return, and when he does, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is reigning. And so we as his people have the privilege to extend his kingdom. In fact, it says that Paul was expounding to them from morning till evening. Think about that. From morning till evening, he was expounding the scriptures. The word expounding simply means to 
hold out, to lay out before them. And what he's doing is he's laying out the word of God from the law and the, and the prophets. This is what he's doing. Paul's mission is for the kingdom of God, and it's very clear. But here is what is often not clear. The path, the process, the plan. There's no way when Paul heard the call in his life on that Damascus road, and then the call to go and make the name of Jesus known, and then to get on a ship and move towards Rome, that he knew ahead of time that he's going to be held captive as a prisoner, that he is going to be on a ship that is actually going to sink, that he is going onto an island that he swims to where he's going to be bitten by a snake that would normally kill a person. He shakes it off. He's not impacted. And now, after another voyage, he's in Rome. And he had no idea when the Lord was calling him to Rome that he was going to be confined to an apartment on house arrest with a guard who had been put with him the whole time. So the, the path and the process could not have made sense. And that happens to us all. Sarah mentioned pray for our visas. You know who doesn't know when they're going to come? You do. You know who does? God. You know what you can learn about the trip you're about to take and the life you're about to live? So much. You know what God can learn about their life in Russia? Nothing. You know how many things you can learn about the people you work with, what they're thinking, how they're acting, what they believe about the gospel? So many things. You know what God can learn about any person? Nothing. God's plan is perfect. But we enter into a process that isn't. Every time you go on a mission trip, whoever's leading that trip will tell you, be patient. Things don't always work the way they do where we're from. And type A people get a little bit bent, out of shape, because well, we said we were supposed to be there at this time. Where's the bus? We don't know. Well, when will we know? We don't know. Well, when will we know? We will know. We don't know. But who does? Thank you. <laughs> I hope none of you miss that. God. When we are in the process, we often forget that God loves the process because God uses the process to remind us of his faithfulness. He uses the process to remind us that we're not in control, that we're needy. God uses the process to remind us that his will is good, it's pleasing, it's perfect, even when it doesn't feel that way. And so Paul had no way of knowing that what he felt inside in terms of that internal call, what was affirmed outside by the external call, would have him in a place where he has been called to make known the name of Jesus. Yet he is arrested. He's a prisoner on house arrest. And what does God do? God doesn't send Paul to all the public spaces like he'd gone to before. Instead, he puts him inside this small place and he brings the world to him. 
And from this small space, from morning till evening, Paul lays out the gospel. He lays out the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It says in Acts 30 that he is doing all that he can to convince them about Jesus. And verse 24 says, some were convinced and some disbelieved. Verse 30 tells us that he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. All who came to him. Who brought them? God. He kept Paul in a place that he never would have predicted. And from that place, the gospel was extended. Isn't that amazing? You might find yourself in a place wondering, how could the gospel ever go out from here? Well, God can do anything. How could I explain the gospel to somebody that I'm only going to be with for a week on vacation? God can do anything. Paul, with a prison guard next to him, expounded the scriptures, laid them out for the people that they might hear the truth about Jesus from morning till evening. And you know what he did in that apartment for those two years in his spare time? He wrote the book of Ephesus and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon and 2 Timothy. That which was happening inside him as the Holy Spirit carried him along exited through his hand onto paper and now 2,000 plus years later we are reading it and the same spirit that carried him along lives in us opens our eyes to see the truth the gospel goes in and the deeper it goes the more powerfully and passionately it must exit so Paul understood the mission He also understood the sovereignty of God over the plan. But where Luke leaves us is mind-boggling. Remember, Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts. And he comes to the end. And he gives us his last word. And it's a Greek word. And it's a strong word. And you know what it means? Without hindrance. No hindrance. Since we have been in the book of Acts since September... You have heard me frequently say from the pulpit, God cannot be... So three people have heard me say it over nine months. (laughs) I want you to say it loudly. They didn't do very much better at 9.30. That's good English, isn't it? God cannot be... Do you believe that? God can't be stopped. Without hindrance. Paul, as a prisoner, with the prison guard next to him, laid out the scriptures for all that the Lord brought to him. God can't be stopped. But we are tempted to believe he can. And we're tempted to believe that there are some countries and some cultures that are so dark that God could never save a soul. Muslim countries, Japan, Russia, maybe what's happening in our country too. And we begin to look at people and think there's no way. The one 
this passage is about. Jesus is the one who saved a man named Saul who was killing Christians. And the one who's using this man to proclaim his kingdom without hindrance. God cannot be stopped. We are tempted to think that it takes more power from God in some places in order to save a soul. It doesn't. It took the same power of God to save me on June 23rd, 1982, as it did Paul when he was on the road to Damascus. It takes the same power of God in China, where people are coming to Christ so frequently, it seems like so easily. While in Japan, it's one of the darkest places I've ever been. Very low response to the gospel. It doesn't take more power to save a Japanese man or woman than it does a Chinese man or woman. It takes the same power, and God has that power, and God has given us that power. That power is in us, and it was in Paul. And the deeper we believe in what the Lord has done and is doing that we might be his, the deeper that presses inside us, the farther it goes. That's why, as I shared in the last hour, you've seen that phrase in our church. What goes deepest to the heart goes widest to the world. So what the world needs most from us, what the people of Russia need most from you, is that the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom would go so deep inside our hearts and soul that we would be like the disciples in an earlier chapter of Acts, being unable to stop speaking about that which we have seen and heard. The only reason we would ever be able to stop speaking is because it's not going deep. This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that we're intellectually smart and therefore deep. It doesn't even mean that we're theologically smart and therefore deep. It means that the power and beauty of the knowledge of God and his kingdom, what he has given us, is moving so deep in us that the good news is really good news, just as we were singing Rock of Ages, that we have to share it to all that the Lord has called it, us to share it to. That's it. That's the vision, and we know it. The path, the process, it's all part of God's plan. And when we don't know how to make sense of all that, what do we have? A God who has faithfully told us that he is extending his kingdom. And then he gives us his example. And Luke says, without hindrance. That's his last word in the second part of his gospel. It's really powerful. God has placed you, my friend, somewhere. Work, a street, with recreation, places you vacate to for rest, boards that you might be on, friendships you have. I believe all for the purpose of you seeking his face, that you might be used by him 
to extend his kingdom. There's nothing more important. Who are the ministers of this church? All of us. There are times when some are set apart. That's biblical. But they're not any more important than all of us making known the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would cause your word to soak deep in our hearts. And as we move before the body and before you to model this ordination and commissioning, would you enable us to be present just a little bit longer? Would you enable us to see the significance of this moment and be encouraged by your faithfulness from the beginning of your word to the end, proclaiming your redemption, your grace, your glory, your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.